Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Sunday afternoon assembly on TalkShoe. Glad to have all you folks there in the chat room. Appreciate it very much. You've taken your time to be with us tonight. As we go into the Gospel of Luke in Chapter 6. How you doing, Brother Jason? Doing pretty well, praise the Lord. Amen, brother. I'm glad. Praise the Lord for that. I guess if we're standing in upright position and we're not, you, and our bones are not showing through our skin, and we can take put one foot in front of the other and can breathe, we're doing very well. All of us always got something to be thankful for, because these people, other places that don't have the luxuries that we have. Anyway, tonight we're going to be in Luke chapter six. And before we get started there, and before Brother Jason open the, opens us in a word of prayer, I'm going to make a few announcements. I said um, Friday night that we were that that would be the last installment on the um, timeline of deception. Well, by popular demand and by unction from the Spirit of God, we're going to continue with the timeline of deception, and um, that's what we'll be doing tomorrow night with me and um, Brother David Kennedy. There's quite a few more things that we can deal with, and we will start dealing with some of the stuff that's going on around us right now. We'll be dealing a little bit more with uh, CERN. We'll be dealing a little bit more with uh, the earth plane, the flat earth plane, and as things progress on, we'll see. But um, I think that uh, we're just going to continue on with it till the Lord makes it plain that we should head in another direction. And um, if anyone has any specific topics, topics concerning deception from, say, 1940 onward, let me know, and we will deal with them. From the script, from a scriptural standpoint, 
but if you don't talk and you don't communicate, there's no way I can read your mind. Amen, Brother Jason? Amen. So just wanted to get that out of the way. And as far as having uh, Mark Sargent on, I still haven't got in contact with him yet. Um, I, Lord willing, I will get in contact with him sometime this week. I'm on, I think I'm just going to wait. Because he lives in Denver, Colorado. I think I'm just going to wait to. Aren't you? Aren't they on the t- same time in the same time bracket as you, brother Jason? Or is there? I uh, know. They're at least an hour ahead. I mean, earlier, an hour earlier, right? Uh, right. Or uh, they'd at be least mountain, one, mountain two. Isn't, isn't that Mountain Standard Time? Yeah, I believe so. Yes. Okay. All right. And Brother Bouguet, I haven't talked to him in about a week, week and a half. And the next time he calls or I get in touch with him, we're going to set up the exact time when he's going to be on the program. So that's the latest, and that's what's going on. So with that, Brother Jason, if you would, open us in a word of prayer, Brother. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask that you bless our time tonight, Lord, as we study the book of Luke. And we also lift Brother Don up to you, Lord. We ask that you bless him and guide him uh, as he leads us through your scriptures. We also pray, Lord, that you'd forgive our sins. Yes, Lord. And wash us clean, Lord, with your blood. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for your sacrifice that you have given us. Yes, Father. For without it, we have nothing. And without you, we have nothing, Lord. And we pray that the that you would touch those in the chat room and their hearts so that they would come to know you and follow you as well, Lord. We ask that you show us your will in our lives, Lord, so that we know what your plan is for us as we go forward this week. We ask all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Okay, folks, the Gospel of Luke, Chapter 6. And before we get started in here, I'll make a few comments about it uh, to some of the guests that are there that may not have been with us earlier in in the Gospel of Luke. But Luke has, um, he has the full skivvy on all the Gospels, like I made mention to start with. He... Um, he also has knowledge of the new revelations and mysteries that were revealed to the Apostle Paul. That's the reason that some of his um, writing sounds a little bit different than Mark and Matthew. And here in Luke chapter 6, we're going to see what most people, if they didn't, if they, that doesn't pay any attention to the scriptures and the words that pop up, they're going to think that Luke is fixing to go through the Sermon on the Mount again like we saw in the in the in the gospel of Matthew and Mark but it, it it's not it's it's not the sermon on the mount it's going to have certain aspects of the sermon on the mount but it's not the sermon on the mount and you know that if you paid close attention to the words as usual I'm always screaming you would find out that this one is going to take place in the plains not on the mountain in the plains. But you get from this very thing, you're going to understand that the Lord just didn't um, put those things out at one at one particular time. 
on a mountain in Matthew, but he talked about them many, many, many times, and that's what Luke will put forth. And there's going to be things that are missing from Matthew and Mark that are going that is going to pop up here in the book of Luke. Anyway, having said that, Brother Jason, go ahead and start Luke chapter 6 and verse 1, brother. And it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfields and his disciples plucked the ears of the corn and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days. Here here are these Pharisees always trying to find something, find something that they can hang on the Lord Jesus Christ and the apostles. Talking about, why do you do this which is not lawful on the Sabbath days? And we're going to run a reference in just a few minutes, and I'm going to harp on this just a little bit. But anyway... What's happened after this this takes place, and you're going to see they're gonna it's kind of gonna allude to it here, but in another place in in Mark and in Matthew, after this takes place, this one thing takes place with the the corn eaten eaten on the Sabbath day, and what takes place in the temple, then you're that's when they make up their mind then that it hit the Lord Jesus Christ is gonna be history. They go about to kill him from this moment forward. Anyway, go ahead, brother. And Jesus, answering them, said, Have ye not read so much as this, what David did when himself was in hunger, and they which were with him, how he went into the house of God and did take and eat the shewbread, and gave also to them that were with him, which it is not lawful to eat, but for the priests alone. And he makes a, that's an outstanding statement that he makes right there, which was which was not lawful. Christ said, "Hey, it wasn't lawful by the letter of the law. It wasn't lawful for David to do what he did, but because of the situation that arose, no big deal." That's what a lot of the so-called lawyers out there today can't seem to get through their mind. All right? This Sabbath day stuff, the way the Lord set this up, and if you read in, in Exodus chapter 31, it talks about it being a perpetual thing for Israel. You find that in Luke, I mean in, in Exodus chapter 31. But if you go back and look in Genesis, the way the Lord set that thing up, the way he, the man was made on the sixth day. He's the sixth day creation. All right? And the way it's set up in the book of Exodus, you got to see now, I want you to listen to what I'm saying. Listen close. In Exodus it says, Six days shall a man work, and then shall he rest on that Sabbath day. Right? In the New Covenant, which you find out is on the first day of the week, you find it out in 2 Corinthians, where the people got together on the, on, on the first day of the week. That's when they got their, their tithe ready to give, and their collect was supposed to give to their assembly. 
That was the that was the first that was their day, the first day of the week. Well, the way it was set up in the old covenant, the man worked, 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 worked all about through the old covenant. It was work for this, work, 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 and then rest. But in the new covenant, it's rest, and that rest is in Jesus Christ. By the way, this is the typology and symbolism. You rest first, and once you're in the rest, the Sabbath of Christ, talks about in Hebrews, the perpetual rest in Christ that it talks about, being saved by grace through faith, then the rest of the days you work. In other words, you rest first. There has to be that rest in Christ with Christ in you. Then the rest of the week is supposed to be work for Christ. It flip-flops. The old covenant was work, 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 rest. The new covenant is rest in Christ, refreshment in Christ, rebirth, regeneration in Christ, which prepares you to do the work forward. See, Very subtle, but just as plain as the nose on your face. That's the difference. That's a difference right there in the new covenant and in the old covenant. It was works-based, which could never never save anybody under the old covenant. Never did save anybody. All purely works-based, and then a rest. In the new covenant, it's salvation and rest in Christ, which prepares you to actually then actually do works for the Lord the other days the other time, and that's one of the differences. Anyway, brother, continue on. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught, and there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. And you can rest assured these suckers planted this cripple in there. They planted him in there to, to so they could catch him. There was a setup. And they had their eye, they beady eyes on this guy to see what the Lord was going to do. Go ahead, brother. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then Jesus said unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil? <laughs> That's the Lord. Always catching them suckers in their own thoughts and in their own ways. Asking them a question. Go ahead, brother. To save life or to destroy it. And look and looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with madness, and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. There you go. That's in and in the other places. In, um, in Matthew and in Mark, it says they went about from that time forward to see how they might destroy him. Okay, and, this is, and this is exactly where it all, from this moment forward, 
They're conniving to kill the Lord. It's exactly what they're doing. Verse 12, brother. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Okay. Here's a good, here is a, a fantastic lesson. He's fixing to do something that's important. He's fixing to choose the twelve. That's what he's fixing to do. And he spends all night long on a mountain with the Lord, with with his with the Father in prayer. This should be a lesson to you. That's why Paul says in First Thessalonians chapter five to pray without ceasing. Paul's always he's the big one on prayer. Always talking about prayer. If anything in your life is important and worth doing, it's worth praying about. People talk about, I want to know the Lord's will about this. I want to know if I should do about that. How much time have you spent in prayer? How much time have you asked the Lord to nudge you in the right direction to make the right decision? See? Some things considering faith are blind, contrary to what some teachers teach. Some things that's done in faith are, quote, unquote, blind. But some things are not. Paul talks in the book of Acts about doors opening. A door has been, a door of opportunity has been opened. Well, he walks through that door by faith, but seeing that the door was open kind of took a little way away from blind faith. See, that's the way it is in our lives as well. Some things we do by blind faith, trusting the Lord will take care of it, has to be done that way. Without it, it's impossible to please Him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And in other places, the Lord will open those little doors. If you're looking for them, see, you've got to be aware and looking for those doors of opportunity. Some things, it's just plain and simple, black and white. If it's right, do it. If it's wrong, quit it. And if you can't quit it, kick thine own self. No prayer needed. If it's right, do it. If it's wrong, quit it. If you can't quit it, kick thine own self. It's nobody else's fault but yours. So, some things, bust through there not knowing what's on the other side. Other things, dealing especially with other people's lives that has to do with your brother or sister or other people, look for those signs and doors of opportunity that the Lord puts in front of you. But remember this. Remember what I'm fixing to tell you. When you see those opportunities, don't question them. Go ahead and act because those are special times. Don't try to spin around in circles and make excuses and maybe look for a second or a third or a fourth door. Uh uh-uh. Not when it comes to walking by faith. Don't do that. Don't do that. If you believe that all things work together for good, 
to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You don't have to wait for a second and third door to open or a sign about this. The Judeans sought for a sign. Our old brother Judah was hung up on signs. Don't you get that way? Once that opportunity, the opportunity to do good arises, do it. If you know a brother has need, do it. Take care of it. There's nothing to pray about. You don't do it. All you're you're just you're just condemning your own self. You're condemning your own self because it's a selfish motive. Is the reason you don't do it. Period. There is no ambiguity to it. Somebody falls in a ditch, you help them up. If you're there, help them up. You don't have to pray about helping somebody up that's fell down. There's not that much mystery to it when it comes to doing right. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. James four seventeen. Nothing to pray about. See, see what gets in the way is thine own self. That 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 little single that I. <laughs> that's what gets in the way. The just shall live by faith, and without faith, it's impossible. To please him. See, a lot of people will talk about faith like it's this big mysterious thing. And there'll be just there'll be a plethora of stuff that's right in front of them to do that's right that they won't do, but they'll spend all their time talking about faith and the stuff that's right out there, black and white to do, they won't do it. They'll but they want to discuss the faith part all the time. Because they don't want to deal with the stuff right in front of them. To him, they know what to do good and do it not. To him, it is sin. Simple. Nothing strange and deep dark about it whatsoever. Look for the doors. If you want to serve God, the will of God, some of them's plain. Some of them a little different. Here the Lord spends all night. We're talking about the Father manifest in the flesh, praying to the Father all night long about who He's going to choose for His apostles. I hear people talk about should I do this or should I not do this? Think it'd be a good idea to do this? See, you know, you, you, in situations like that, you can't give straight answers sometimes because you don't know the whole situation. And then in a lot of times, it's best just to keep your mouth shut. All right? Unless you've got all the details out in front of you. 
You might know what you would do, and that's okay to say, well, and if, if it was me, this is what I would do. I'm talking about in advice to a brother or sister. That's what I'm talking about right this second. But don't go blasting out, this is what you ought to do if you don't know the whole facts to everything. Abstain from fornication. That's plain. For this is the will of God that you abstain from fornication. Giving thanks for everything in your life is another will of God. There's no ambiguity, nothing dark about it. Paul says plainly, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. There's your two wills right there. Them simple. You obey both of them that are in black and white. Other things in the will of God cost something. They cost you something to find out. Paul tells you in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, number one, present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why should you do that? Why should you do what he just said? Other than because it's a command, he tells you. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good an acceptable and perfect will of God. Never ceases to amaze me a lot of folks running around talking about, oh, the will of God, I wonder what the will of God is. And they can't, and they, they won't even do the wills of God that's plain as day. Even before they get to presenting their bodies a living sacrifice and not conforming to the world, see. And that's just a reasonable service. No, they'd rather talk about somebody that eats a pork chop and bacon with their eggs, okay? Or they'd rather talk about somebody that, that decides they want to meet on a Monday or a Tuesday instead of a Sunday or a Saturday. Now, they want, they want to picket stuff like that. So stupid. And it's just human nature. People will tend to gravitate to what they like, all right? They will tend to gravitate toward what they think they've got a handle on and condemn the brother over there, another brother or a sister that might not have a grip on what they have a grip on, all right? And lord over them, call lording over God's heritage. Well, the Lord's going to get into that in a little bit as we get further on down here in this chapter. But anyway, he's praying about who he's going to choose. Out of these 12, and we already know one of them's a traitor. So he spends all night on the mountain in prayer. I wonder how much time each one of you spend in prayer every day. 
after the commandments. Of, he said, oh, I've got time. Folks, don't give me none of that. Don't when you think a prayer, if you think of if you think a prayer is getting down on some cloth or finding a dark spot and getting in it and slamming the door and hiding in and because of the getting because of what the scripture says about going in the closet. Hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. As a matter of fact, sometimes you hear me talk about getting naked and getting in a dark room and praying to God because that's when things should be. And that's a, that's a big deal. That's on stuff that's a big deal, all right, that you need to get answers to prayer for, right? Now, the prayer of salvation is a simple thing. It don't matter where you're at, what you're doing. I don't care if you're out in the crowd. There's nothing special about that, like the Philippian jailer. When Paul and Silas was in there and the walls came tumbling down and that Philippian jailer says, what must I, he, he just fell down and said, what must I do to be saved? That was his answer. That's the question he asked Paul. And the simple answer is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in the house. And he believed on the Lord and in that same, very same hour, Paul and him went, baptized him and his whole family. He didn't have to go get in a prayer closet somewhere and beat the walls down to get to God. In Romans 10, it says, The word's nigh thee, in other words, near, when it's talking about salvation in Romans chapter 10, between verse 8 and verse 13. The word's nigh thee, even in thy mouth, the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Simple. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Plain simple. Just like the Philippian jailer. What must I do? With the Philippian jailer, Asked the question because he was under conviction, because he had seen what the Lord had done. Conviction precedes salvation. And it's the Holy Spirit that does the calling. You should always be able, like Peter says, always be able to give an account to any man that asketh you of the hope that lieth within you. You deal with folks, and they may ask questions of you, and you know they're not Christian, and you know how you became a Christian, then you should be able to tell them how to become a Christian. Yeah, you should be able to tell them what the Lord says about it. And you should be able to tell them where it's at in the Scripture. If they're asking you, then the Spirit of God is dealing with them. All right? I didn't say run around and beat everybody on the head, trying to get everybody in the kingdom, because that ain't worth a flip. Because the Spirit's the one does the drawing. And the Spirit will be the one that whispers in your ear, this is a ripe apple. That's, all, that's one of the wills of God, too. 
that you reproduce kind after kind. That's one of the fruits that you reproduce after your kind in the spiritual sense as well as the physical sense. That's a will of God too. Always be able to give an account. That's why repetition is the mother of all learning. Repetition, repetition. Well, I just don't know the scriptures as well as you do, Brother Don. I didn't say I hadn't been a preacher. I hadn't pastored a church. I hadn't been to Bible college. That don't mean squat. That don't mean squat. I know a bunch that's been to Bible college that ain't worth the powder and shot take to blow them to hell. I know people that's gone to church every Sunday and Wednesday night for 30 years that couldn't even quote one verse of Scripture or tell you squat about the Word of God. Many of them can call them by name, drive to their house, been on a squat because there was no they didn't apply themselves, if they're Christian, really Christian. You see, folks, if you just read the Word of God 12 minutes a day, just 12 minutes a day, starting in Genesis, and you're a moderate reader, you'd read through the entire Bible in 71 hours. Did you know that? See, a lot of people, you want to look at it like it's, oh my goodness, all those chapters. No, I just told you. Twelve minutes a day. Starting in Genesis 1. If you're a moderate reader, twelve minutes a day, it'll take you 71 hours to read the entire Word of God. Bet you didn't know that, did you? You do now. No excuses now. And repetition is the mother of all learning. And I will repeat myself many times over and over and over again specifically for that purpose. If you've got complaints, then I would love for you to just sit back and tell me what I've taught you over the last few years, okay? Answer the questions if, it's, if it seems to uh, raise the hackles on the back of your neck because sometimes I repeat stuff over and over again. And tell me what I said the first thing I said. <laughs> I know I've had to apply it in my life to be able to do what I do for you. And I still do it. The repetition over and over and over and over again. I've got stacks of paper just to where I write stuff out to myself over and over and over again. Because, see, I, I can't read on the air and carry notes around like most people can. I have to do everything from memory. So, therefore, I do it. But you folks remember that. If it's important in your life, you'll spend time with it. If it's not, you won't. Simple, simple. This was important to our Lord. He spent all night praying. And he was God manifest in the flesh. Next verse, brother. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, 
whom also he named apostles, Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, called Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. And he came down with them and stood in the plain in the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Okay. Ninety percent of anybody that teaches this will tell you, well, this is here's this is this is Luke's rendition of the Sermon on the Mount. This is the, all he's doing is fixing to go on through the Sermon on the Mount again. That's what they'll tell you. It's even in some reference Bibles that this is the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> How do you know it's not the Sermon on the Mount, Brother Jason? Um Read that verse to yourself, verse 17, and tell me why you know that's not the Sermon on the Mount. Because he stood in the plain? You got it. There you go. One little word. <laughs> and you've got reference Bibles that'll tell you that this is, this is, uh, this is uh, Luke's rendition of the Sermon on the Mount. And they'll give you a cross reference back to Matthew, back to Matthew, and to five, six, and seven in Matthew, and also to Mark. And it ain't got, and it's not <laughs> because of one word. And they, they just look over. That's how important words are, folks. Can change a whole doctrine. Go ahead, brother. Verse eighteen. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. And he did not miss a lick, all right? There were no, he didn't shoot a blank, <laughs> in other words. And there were those that, that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And then they that were in the multitude sought to touch him. Just by touching his garment, virtue went out of him to heal them. That's amazing stuff, man. There, they, they were multitudes there, all right? They were people there from Tyre and Zidon. Just multitudes that had heard his fame. Just, so, just wanted to get close enough to touch him. I sure don't say much for all these quote-unquote faith healers that's, that's shearing the sheep, that's lying out their teeth, running around blowing their bad breath in somebody's face and watching that fake falling down, all that mess. The Lord never misses a lick. When he heals somebody, they're healed. When the apostles healed somebody, they were healed. They never, none of them shot a blank. Why did they not shoot a blank? Because it was real. 
what you see today is a joke. You don't believe in divine healing? Of course I do. I've seen the Lord heal so so much supernatural healings, it's pitiful. But I don't believe the way it's presented on television. And in some of the different denominations, I don't believe the way they present it. Because I know it's a farce. The majority of it. I'm not saying all. But the majority of it's a farce. Of course I believe in divine healing. I've seen the Lord divinely heal me on more than one occasion. I've seen him divinely heal one of my ex-wives. I've seen him divinely heal. I'm talking about some big time stuff. I'll talk about it sometime. I think I already have once about my wife. But I'll tell you some stuff some of these days about some friends and some uh, couple of my kids that I saw miraculous stuff happen to. Of course I believe in divine healing because it's biblical. But Benny Hinn, Kenneth Hagan, all that bunch, Oral Roberts or anybody associated with them, then uh, that that is a is a bunch of a bunch of be nice now, Don. Don't get all upset. It's a bunch of junk. Let's just put it that way. I've been down to the um, back when they had the big Brownsville revival going on over in Pensacola back in during the late 90s or middle 90s. That big so-called revival going on and all the supposed healing going on. I went over there. I saw it. I saw what was going on. Sat right in the middle of it. Seen all the supposed slain in the spirit. I wish somebody would please find me in the scriptures this slain in the spirit stuff. I can't find where the Lord, what these people that touched the Lord, I didn't. I don't see anywhere in the scriptures where all of a sudden they fell on the ground and started flip-flopping around like a dead fish or a, a fish out of water. The Lord never missed a lick, neither did the apostles. And all the people that's getting suckered in out there today, they're looking for something, folks. It's a sad thing. We, the just shall live by faith, not by sight. Not by sight. And people are so hungry, hungry for an experience that they'll buy into that stuff. And some of them swear by it. And if you, can, if you come against it, they'll absolutely hate you. And oh, no, 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 no. And they'll continue to spend their money on a lie send their money in on a lie. They'll look for coincidences that happened and try to claim that that's got something to do with what they did. Oh, that was the Lord did this, and it's a lie. And then, after saying all that, I'll say this. You remember who the great counterfeiter is. What better yet to counterfeit healing? He tries to counterfeit the Lord in every way. Doesn't it say in Galatians that his ministers are trans that Satan's angels are transformed into ministers of righteousness? I believe that they, I believe that these demonic 
people can heal. I really do. I believe that they've got that power. How do I know that? Well, if you remember back in Daniel, remember how when the presence of one of the angels of the Lord, how did just took all the strength out of Daniel? And all the angel had to do was just touch him and restore Daniel's strength. Well, see, now that's an angel of the Lord. Well, remember, the angels that fell used to be angels of the Lord before they fell. And there's not nothing that says that their power to be able to do that was taken away from them. So, of course, I believe in demonic healing. Of course I do. And a lot of the so-called healing that's done in the name of the Lord is actually being done by devils. A lot of it is. Remember what I said the other night about possession. How a person can be possessed and walk right along beside you for years and you not even know it. Doesn't have to be flip-flopping around, cussing and pus running out of their eyes and flopping around like Hollywood puts it forth. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. Doesn't have to be that way. We'll get into more of that later. Go ahead, brother. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now I want you to watch the way the Lord lays all these out. If you will notice, there's not a single, none of this starts out positive. It's all, here's, I'm, I'm just going to tell you what he's going to say before he goes down through here reading this stuff. Not make any more comments. It suffer first, glory later. It suffer first, rewards later. It's bad in the flesh in this world. It's glory and wonderful later. Over and over and over again. Just like Brother Don's been teaching you for two years. Suffer first, glory later. Die to self now, live later. Over and over and over again. No matter which way you cut it. You can't get if you're honest, got an honest heart and believe the Lord and believe the book, you cannot get around it. That's the way it is. Period. I don't care if you spent 65 years believing the other way and are comfortable in your life. And every, all your bills are paid and you got two or $300,000 in the bank. Problem somewhere. Not my opinion. I say it again. That's not my opinion. That's what the book says. And the Lord will hit the nitty-gritty right on down here in a little bit. Now just watch it. Watch what I'm... See if I lied to you as we go down through here. Go ahead, brother. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. 
Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy. Behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. But woe well, unto well, you yeah, that are rich. Going, he's going to kick it in a different gear now. If it wasn't plain enough that it's suffer now, glory later, well, he's just going to flip it right around and and make it so there's no ambiguity that if you deny it, you deny what he said, period. The Lord's always good about that. Drawing that line in the sand, make you use the bathroom or leave the bathroom. That's the nice way of putting it. That's what I love about the way he, the Lord and the Apostle Paul dealt with folks. I love it because it leaves no room for doubt. There, That's the reason it won't be all that hard at the judgment seat of Christ for Christians. It won't be that. It won't be none of the, well, I did uh-uh, no, uh-uh, no. You knew. You knew. You just didn't believe. Verse 24. But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are... Okay, let me just make a comment about verse 24. Woe unto you that are rich, because you've received your consolation. Three score and ten. Seventy years, average average lifespan, three score and ten, they received their consolation. The ones, blessed are the poor, for they'll receive their reward in heaven. That's eternal. What a trade-off. Not much of a trade-off at all if you really believe the book. One of these rewards are temporal. The other one is eternal. Just like Paul said, and I ended the program with the other night. For we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. Right here it's temporal. That's what he's talking about here. It's temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So it's yours. Continue, brother. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. That's that slapping on the back, singing Kumbaya, Brother Don's always talking about. All these happy go oh, that, that that center in and get them a little get them a little doctrine and just that's all they spin around all tall they talk about and everybody just has a good old time bad mouthing somebody else or bad mouthing something else and they're all wonderful and great. That's this bunch right here, see. That back slapping kumbaya singing. Never any, oh, woe is me, 
No, never any be merciful to me. Oh, Lord, I'm a sinner. No, 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 uh-uh. We're all right. Oh, they look at them, what they done to us. Oh, this is their fault. Oh, it's all about them. See what I mean? That stuff is about as biblical as Charlie Brown and Peanuts, folks. It produces the same fruits as Charlie Brown and Peanuts, folks. Next verse, brother. But I say unto you, which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. Okay. But I say unto you, which hear, see, key word, key two words there, which hear. Not for everybody. It's for those that hear. Love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Said, can't nobody blame this on the Apostle Paul. Can't nobody blame this on uh, Brother John. I wonder how they're going to allegorize this. I wonder if there's any metaphor here. But I say unto you which hear, there's a reason that he's saying what he's saying now, folks. He's going to get down to it shortly. Is he saying that you ought to Go downtown to the uh, the quarters where the Black Panthers are, and take out their garbage and cook their food for them. No, he's not. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that you ought to go clean the toilets at the at the local synagogue. That's not what he's saying. See, to those which hear. Pay attention. Love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. You want to be a testimony for the Lord? You want to have somebody believe that the Lord is real that right now doesn't believe he's real? Do you want to be a testimony and be able to walk the Christian walk? Do you want to be able to... uh, apply things that will draw people toward the Lord, then a certain monicum of this stuff is a necessity in your life. I said a certain monicum, a certain amount of this is a necessity in your life and is part of you, should be a part of your life. 
Love your brothers yourself, huh? That's the second great commandment, huh? Is that it? Folks, the problem you got, you don't even, yeah, yeah, the per, the, let me tell you who most folks love. They love their self. It's the I principle that you hear Brother Don screaming about all the time. Looking for that, it's the I principle all the way back in Isaiah 14. The five I wills. Can't get away from it. It's, in, it's built into the human nature. And, they, and the regeneration gives you the ability to fight against that. Without it, you don't stand a snowball's chance in hell. You wouldn't expect anybody to do that. Without the regeneration. Because... That, what else is there for them? They have their reward. Why not do for their self? That's the reason it's so hard to tell a real Christian from a non-Christian today. Because there's nobody... That, remember me screaming about obedience the other night? And obeying authority figures when it's purely laid out in the Scriptures? Not because anybody's trying to get over on anybody else. It's because it's a command that you're supposed to do. That's putting yourself secondary and third. If you want joy in your life, put Jesus first, others next, you last. You know to do good, do it. If you don't, woe unto you. You will reap those rewards. It'll be the reward of unrighteousness. That's what it'll be. It'll be a lash. It'll be something that sticks. It'll be something that hurts. The Lord knows where your buttons are. Trust me, I know. Pray for them which despitefully use you. You ought to try it. You can pray for them that hate you. You should. There will, there will never, ever be a problem in praying for your good brothers that love you. Never will be a problem. Verse 29. And unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy cloak also. Okay. Verse 29. And unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek, offer him the other. Never will. I think I've told I've told this story before. Right after I got saved back in the early 70s, I had an opportunity to put this into practice because like I've told you guys before, I, once once I become a Christian, it, uh, that Bible was all there was to me. It was just constant, constant, read, 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 study, 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 study. So I knew all about this because the Gospels is the first place I started. Well, I had an opportunity to apply this, to use it. I had never, I had none at all the time. Don't, don't get me wrong. Think I have, I've got, I've got this saintly. I'm all this saintly. Oh, no, 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 not in the wildest stretch of your imagination. But I had the opportunity to turn the cheek to one that smote on one cheek, and never will forget it. To take you within ten foot of where it happened at. 
It was like the Lord when I oh, when I let this happen, and this guy was beating the dog crap out of me on on the right side of my head, folks. I'm telling you, hey, it was my father-in-law doing the beating too. Okay, he was drunk, and I and I never will forget. It was it was like nothing. There was no pain there, and I could have just beat. I could have, I could have killed him. Okay, but the guy that was there with us that saw this take place could not believe his eyes that somebody would do something like that. That somebody would actually turn the other cheek to somebody that was that was beating him up on the right hand side of the head. Well guess what how guess what the fruit of that was? The fruit of that was eventually Joel, who was the guy looking, that was the store owner that happened to be with us. I led him to Christ. Name was Joel Foster. Run Foster's Grocery. I led him to Christ. He got saved. Because of that incident that happened. Never will forget. He said, I saw you. You were for real. There was something different about you. You were for real. So... There's you an instance where that coming that was absolutely correct, spot on, and the fruits of it was a soul saved. Somebody coming to the Lord. Have I done it every time? You better not no, don't you even get close. Absolutely not. More times than I mean, I mean a cup two or three, four times maybe. Yeah, but the rest, no. No. I'm flesh. All flesh is grass. But I'm just telling you that the Lord will give you the if if the opportunity arises in the situation, the power and the spirit will be there to give you the power to do it if you'll look for it. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Now there will be a time coming. There will be a time coming in the in the future, during the kingdom age, to where this will be a law. But anyway, we'll get into that at a different time. Go ahead, brother. Verse 30. Verse 30. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. Give to every man that asketh of thee. See, now if you could say you could take the purely literal sense, ten people ask if you one right behind the other, you wouldn't have nothing else to give, see? So spiritual common sense dictates that has to be done in moderation, all right? You just, because you, you'd give, you didn't have, then you, you'd give, you couldn't obey the commandments, what I'm trying to say. So it takes common, spirit, I said spiritual common sense, all right? Because there's nothing that you do down here that's done with the right motive, especially when it comes to this, that you won't be more than doubly and triply rewarded for at a later date in this life or in the life to come. The rewards will come not only in this life, but in the reward to come. That's why the principle of giving is so important to get, to understand Somebody, I know Judeo-Christians that get it completely. 
All right. I've watched their lives over these over 40 years. I've seen the Lord do so much in their life. I've seen him do in my life, too. I know how important it is. Trying to get that across to some of you folks is so hard. Yeah, I just don't know. I, I, try, I don't like to talk about it. But yet I know what kind of a blessing it would be if you understood and obeyed. And you, you, you would kick yourself around the house when you saw the Lord actually work in your life and do stuff. You'd kick yourself for not obeying sooner. And I don't have any problem saying that at all because I know it's true and it's been true ever since the resurrection and it will continue to be true to the second coming. Whether you like it or not makes no difference at all. It's the Word of God and the Word of God cannot be broken and God does not lie. Verse 30, brother. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. And there's that old, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. You put yourself in their situation and see what you would like to be done, especially if it's according to Scripture. That you'd like to see that guy. I don't even know how to put it in words. As you would that men should do unto you, do you also to them likewise. That's pretty plain for straightforward. That applies in everything, in all manners of life. But it happens to be sandwiched in here between giving, and we're fixing to get to it. Go ahead, brother. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye, for sinners also do even the same. You see, it's a given. It's just a, it's just a given in the sight of God that his kids is going to obey. It's just a given. And when the, 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 the going overboard is doing for those that are not your brothers and sisters. Because... You've heard me say, even a dog loves his kids. But but he he's even it's a given that the Lord if you're just, that's the reason he said that's the reason Paul says in Thessalonians is worse than an infidel. If the household of God's not taken care of, person's worse than an infidel. That's why the love of money is the root of all evil. Because it tests everybody. It gets to the heart of the matter. <laughs> you can tell the tree by the fruit it bears. 
He's going to mention that too in a minute. Anybody can slap their compadre on the shoulder and, hey, guy, here I have to everybody have a kumbaya. But it's when you step out of your way like the Good Samaritan. It's like when you take two or three gallons of gas down the road to an old blue gum that's run out of gas. It ain't your brother. But they need help. Nothing wrong with that. The Lord tells you to do it. Any scenario like that that you can come up with. Going above and beyond. It's a given you do it for your own. It's just a flat expected given. Like pulling teeth out of a hen's mouth sometimes. You can't, it's just, it, it, I don't understand why people can't just read plain English and understand. Verse 34. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. Yeah, that's right. Still, they sure do. They sure do. What the Lord's setting up here, folks, is this. In the context of everything that he's said, this life is not what it's all about. And the tests are not in specific. They are, it's the test is obedience. Test ain't got nothing to do with a cloak. Test ain't got nothing to do with lending. Test has got to do with obedience. Just like I said the other night. The framework is set down for the body of Christ, folks. The framework of the, the assemblies and everything are set down. They're set the order is set down. This bunch of reprobate alternative folks out there, they don't want nothing to do with the framework that's laid down in Timothy and in Titus. Because, see, once you understand the framework that's laid down, then you have responsibility, see. And all it's doing, this Internet has been fantastic in some ways, but it's been a curse in some ways also. The ones that obey in spite of the of the distance and the ability to click a mouse that in that, that that obey in spite of that, great are their reward. That's all I can say. Because most want to shirt the responsibility of the framework of the assembly and the framework of teacher and learner. I mean, it's just as plain as day. And because you've got a bunch of reprobates on television and a few people with some bad experiences, you want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, even though the Lord is the one with the baby.
Just because Judas condemned the Lord doesn't mean everybody ought to went out and kill Peter, James, and John. But see, people will gravitate toward what makes them feel good about their self or what, what gives them the, the clean road ahead with no obstacles. It's, it's that path of least resistance. And the Christian life has got nothing to do with the path of least resistance. As a matter of fact, it's got everything to do with obstacles. Narrow is the way. Narrow is the way and straight, not wide and broad, not the path of least resistance. Obedience is what it's about. Not It's all about obedience. It's not about do as thou wilt. That's Luciferian doctrine. That's Lucifer. That's the devil. That's puffing stuff. That's the evil force. That's Darth Vader, whatever you want to call him. Lord says, you want to be with me? Deny, the first words that come out of our Savior's mouth is deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. The first words, deny yourself. Every, just exactly what I've been talking about for the last hour. Verse 35. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the thankful and to the evil. See, it rains on the just as well as the unjust. God's mercy and grace, not the saving grace, but God's mercy is on every on everybody on this earth. His mercy endures forever. His mercy encompasses every race and everybody. His mercy does to a certain degree. Else, they, if it didn't, everybody'd be dead in the next millisecond. Okay, so that's what he's talking about here. He's kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Of course he is. He lets it rain. He lets them be able to buy. He lets them support their family and does that. But you're supposed to be a separate bunch, see? <laughs> oh, man. That rises above and beyond. You're supposed to be able to lift out and help up the one that hates you. You're supposed to smile to the one that spits at you. Why? Because if Christ dwells in you, he did it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Next verse, brother. Be ye therefore merciful, 
as your Father also is merciful, judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Oh, my goodness. And all those grudge-carrying bunch of... Oh, mm-mm-mm. Nothing wrong in judging spiritually, folks. There's nothing because you're commanded to judge spiritually. All right. While while I'm talking, brother Jason, turn to First Corinthians chapter two and read the last two verses. I think that's the chapter. No, wait. Yeah, let me turn over there myself and see. I think that's it. Corinthians 2. Uh, let's see. For, uh, no, that's not it. Uh, so, yeah. But, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Read verses 15. Read verse 15. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Bingo. Bingo. We should judge in spiritual matters. We should give wise counsel but not the kind of judging that it's talking about back in Luke chapter 6. Go back to Luke 6, brother. Okay. The setting of Luke 6 is not knowing what you're talking about. It has nothing to do with the spiritual matter. It's just you see something, you immediately pass some kind of judgment on it, like it's done all the time, and people just rush to do it of judging another brother not knowing the circumstances, coming to a conclusion without the facts, that's done on a regular basis. And it's, I, I, I have actually, I have actually seen people that had nothing to do with Christianity be more wise when it came to this thing of judging than I have people that's been in the church for years and claim to be Christians and even know the Word of God to a certain degree. I've seen, I, I and it, 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 this judging is bad among about Christians. It's and it, that's what he's talking about right here. Anyway, go ahead with the verse, brother. What verse are we in? I uh, well, we just finished verse thirty-seven. Verse 37, let me get down there real quick. Uh, 37. Luke chapter 6. Mm-hmm. 36, 37. Okay, go ahead with verse 37, brother. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Well, you can rest assured if you carry a grudge. You carry a grudge, and you don't forgive somebody. It ain't you, 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 you ain't going to get no forgiveness yourself. When time, you want everybody to forgive you when you screw up. You, want, you, you do a brother bad, don't you want him to forgive you? You ought to be great in mercy to forgive others yourself. 
See, there comes in that selfish thing again. You can't beat this book, folks. The Lord ain't whistling Dixie. He means what he says. If you ain't practicing, if you ain't caught up on the forgiving business, you in bad shape. And, I, and there's a lot of folks that's not because of pride to whom much is given, much is required, folks. To whom much has been forgiven by the Lord, those are usually the ones that have no problem forgiving somebody else. It's the ones that think that they're squeaky clean. It's the ones that come in with this haughty attitude about certain degrees of people, about certain, quote-unquote, the standards of people. Those are the ones that have the trouble. They don't understand the mercy and forgiveness of God. Next verse, brother. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. See there? That's a reception in the now and now. Because of why? Because of you giving to others. Because of your obedience of what you're supposed to do. This ain't. This is something in the now and now. This has not even got to do with the heavenly reward. That's a promise. Paul tells you the same thing in Corinthians. My God shall. Let me see. How's that? Uh, and ye have in all things in. And ye have in all sufficiency in all things. He is able to make abound unto you, having all sufficiency in all things. That's according to your giving. That's the only promise that's conditional in the whole Word of God. I mean the whole Word, excuse me. I misspoke. In the New Testament, in the New Covenant, it's conditional. And it's upon, it's, and it's upon the Christian New Covenant form of tithing like it was in the Old Testament. Except it's been turned to... Uh, who's, uh, as you purpose in a heart, as a man purpose in his heart, so let him give. And then returns the promise of God dumping out on you double and triple. All right? It's been switched over to the heart instead of a rigid law like it was in the Old Testament, in Malachi and in the ordinances in the Old Testament. Read verse 38 again, brother. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. There you go. You're a giver, you'll get it given to you. If you're in, when you give, when you're in trouble, you'll be given unto. That's a promise. That's your, that's your insurance policies, quote unquote, so to speak. That's the Lord's insurance policy to you. You believe Him? Or you reckon He's lying? Hey, next, last time I checked, these were red letters. I didn't write this stuff, folks. 
I just know it's true. I know it's true by experience. Not just because I believe the King James Bible. I know it's true by experience. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And to obey the fat of ram. Mm-hmm. Verse 39. And he spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? Rhetorical course. And everything what he's fixing to say, this foundation coming up, folks, is based on what this whole dissertation that he's just given. So watch it close. Go ahead. The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the boat that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the note that is in thy brother's eye. And that's the Lord's way of telling you exactly what I just got through telling you about spiritual judgment. That's the Lord's way of telling it. Verse 43. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither does a corrupt tree bring forth Good fruit. How many times do I have to quote that one? By their fruits you shall know them. Everything he's just said, folks, he's winding up with this stuff. You better pay attention. I say you better. Hey, the Spirit of God ought to be telling you to pay attention. There ought to be arrows from the Spirit pointing. That's the way the Holy Spirit works. The way the Spirit works is points out things, dealing with some things, dealing with this, dealing with that. The Spirit of God, that's called conviction. That's what he was, one of the reasons he was sent here. Not as just the comforter, but also the convictor. Turn in, uh, tune in to 1,500 of them quote-unquote programs out there and see how much you hear those words used. Well, I can, I can already assure you, zero. Zero. They wouldn't have a clue about what the work of the Holy Spirit was if the Holy Spirit sat down beside them, slapped them, and stuck his fist down their throat. 
Some of them don't even understand that he's a person. Keep on, brother. For every tree is known by its own fruit. You got that right. Amen. Amen. What fruit? Everything he's just got through talking about. Those things he just got through talking about. Continue. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man... Out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. Okay, I want you to stop and think about what he's just said. What he just said is profound. See, when you think of evil, you think of race mixing, you think of murder, lying, cheating, stealing, which is evil. Of course, that that's evil. That's outwardly, you think of faggots. All this stuff, you think of that. But that's not what he just got through talking about. He's equating evil with disobedience to what he said above. See? That's how profound this is, and that's what you got to get and understand. Because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Read verse 45 again, brother. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. Absolutely. Absolutely. And see, the Lord has talked about sin and disobedience of commission. Let me be slow and explain this. The Lord has just set forth a bunch of stuff that is has to, is a commission. It's in other words, it's an action that's done. All right? It's either done or it's not done by obedience or disobedience. And he calls the disobedient part of it evil. But see, a lot of folks don't understand. They think it's all got to do with commission. They think that I'm pretty good as long as I'm not do, not get, get, listen to my words, as long as I don't do that or don't do this. See, commission. While I'm talking, Jason, turn to James chapter 4. That's, see, that's, that's what got, that, that's the mindset that people will get into. They'll think about, 
the commission. And they'll be disobedient to that too. And they'll pick and choose and excuse the rest. But this is commission. See, they totally, the sins of transgression of the law. I get, I, I, every time I hear that from some of these people out there on the internet, I want to reach through the web and slap them upside the head. They would, they would have you believe that's the only thing bad. Number one, they do not understand that sin dwells in them. It is part of their nature. They think sin is an action. When Paul is plain that sin is in our mortal body. It's a genetic defect that happened at the fall. Transgression of the law is only one part of sin. And this the Lord's just talked about is commission. Read verse 17 in James chapter 4 and see what Brother James has to say about sin. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Bingo. You think Brother Don was lying? Think I was making this stuff up, pulling it out of context, whatever? Why do you think that the judgment seat of Christ, it's the motive of the heart that's judged? It's the motive. Motive of the works. Good or bad. What you did and what you should have done and didn't do. How much simpler can you get? Obedience or disobedience? Is this deep, dark, theologically deep subject? I trow not. I don't think so. I think it's as simple. Nobody wants to hear it. Aren't we all so full of excuses? Back to Luke 6, brother. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Amen, guest three. If you're still the guest three the other night, that made that wonderful statement about the ones calling Lord, Lord, and, and wouldn't even Christian. Absolutely right. Good statement. Good, excellent, right on, spot on. Lord had a little bit to say about it here, see? <laughs> Why call me Lord and do not the things which I tell you? And he just spent a whole chapter talking about it. It's all about authority, folks. <laughs> Just like I told you the other night, spent 30 minutes to, to, at the beginning of the program. 
it's all about submission to authority. Verse 47, brother. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. Just like it says in 1 Corinthians 3.17, No other foundation can any man lay but that which is laid, Jesus Christ. And the foundation laid on Jesus Christ can't be moved, and the foundation laid on Jesus Christ will blow his life out in obedience and attempt to be obedient to what the Lord says. Period, period, end of story. Now the ones that profess, and they if he's fixing to tell you about the other bunch, like guest three was talking about the other night, which was so true, just start again, brother. Start reading it again. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the, that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that is without a foundation built an house upon the earth. He's earthy. He's worldly. He's earthy. He's worldly. Be not conformed to this world. Love not the world. He's earthy. He's a professor. He's not a possessor. He's an excuser. He's not obedient. The heart's not trying. The heart is excusing itself. Like Paul says in Romans 2, those people either accusing or else excusing one another are all sinners. Continue, brother. Against which this stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. And it will be great. And it always is great. And it just keeps on happening over and over and over again. And why does it keep on happening over and over again? It's because of disobedience. Disobedience. In a world gone mad, in a world that tells you that as long as you're obedient and true to your own conscience and self, that's your truth. That's fine. You'll be just fine. And will not refuse to bow the knee 
to the authority of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the sad thing about it, a lot of the possessors of the Spirit of God are so stinking worldly and caught up in the world and been there all their life, they will continue to bow the knee to the world and everything the world propagates and puts out. It's shiny. It promises great promises. It delivers on none. It delivers on none. All temporary. Temporary reward for temporary obedience to a temporary little G God that's ruled by the little G God of this world. And the one that spoke the whole universe into existence tells you, gives you a few little bitty things to strive for and to obey. And it promises to dump heaps of rewards on you because you sacrificed here, because you suffer first and you reign later. I don't know how many. I'm not, I don't. I will. I'll be so repetitive about it that I that you. I want it ringing in your ears when you lay down at night. Turn to Second Timothy two while I'm talking, brother. I want. I, I want you to think about this in the daytime when you're working. I want you to think about this when you're on your walk with your little dog, if you've got a dog. I want you to think about this when you're in meditation. In the morning when you wake up and when you go to bed, when you're in prayer, asking the Lord to help you, asking the Spirit of God to direct you and point out the fallacies, the loose screws, the bolts that are not tightened up, to flush out the lies that's been permeated in your brain, and in, that you've let settle down into your heart to where you think is true, but is a lie out of the pits of hell. Repetition is the mother of all learning. Just start reading it, verse 1, brother. Now therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strife for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel wherein I suffer trouble, trouble as an evildoer, even unto bounds, but the word of God is not bound. 
Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, dead with him that suffer first, go ahead, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. You deny doing what those things he just said, then he's going to deny you the inheritance and reward. Go ahead, brother. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they may strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stand assured, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. In, in God's household... You got reprobates, and you got shining jewels. It's a great house, but there, but but the Lord gives you the opportunity to choose which vessel you're going to be. See, you get chosen into the household. You're part of the household, but the part of the furniture you are, that depends on you. And we're fixing to tell you that. Go ahead. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and, pre and prepared unto every good work. That's good, brother. That's okay. good. I want you to read verse 24 to the end of the chapter there. And the servant of the Lord must not strife, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. And there are so many quote-unquote so-called Christians running around and thinking they're in control of their own life when Satan can take control of anybody if they're not keeping on their toes and obeying the admonitions of the armor of God and continual prayer 
and watching what they do, they wind up a captive of Satan and don't even have a clue and think they're just on their happy way. The world's full of them. Our people is super full of them. And it's a sad thing. But And why, why is it that way? Disobedience. Failure to believe in the book. Failure to believe in the book. That's why Brother Don screams about the book all the time. So you heard what the Lord said in chapter 6, how he laid everything out, how he cut, how he got down to the nitty-gritty at the bottom, talking about the foundation. It's all part of obedience, folks. And just in case you think that was, oh, well, that's what the Lord said, in case there's some hyper-dispensationalists out there that think that, oh, well, that was just for for the, uh, the, the disciples during the time. See, I know in case some of the downloaders come from the hyper-dispensational persuasion. I know what they think. They'll go, well, that was for them. That's not for us. Well, let's just find out what Paul had to say about it in Romans. Turn to Romans real quick, brother. Romans chapter 12. And once you watch the 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 Lord, I'm the Lord. Watch the Apostle Paul bring up some of the same things that the Lord just got through talking about. Start in verse. Um, start in. Um, verse eight. No, 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 not verse eight. Uh. Uh, let's see. Yeah, start in verse 8. For he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned to one another with brotherly love. In honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of saints. Given to hostility. Bless them which persecute you. Given to hospitality, brother. Hospitality. I don't know what I said. You said hostility. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Given (laughs) to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Bingo! Sound familiar? What we just got come from? All this stuff is is, is the way of performing everything we just read. Back over there in Luke chapter 6. And Paul's laying it out in a different way on how to do it all. Go ahead, brother. Start verse 13 and start down again. 
distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him, if he thirst, Give him drink, for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. All right, there you go. First you heard it from your Savior, and there's old Paul telling you the same thing. Just a little different slant, giving you a little bit better ways to accomplish that that the Lord laid down. Folks, that's, that's, um, I don't know what, there's nothing else I can say to add anything to that. Not a thing. If so be the Spirit of God dwells in you, the Spirit of God uh, is talking. The Spirit of God's doing the working right now. I ain't got to scream and holler because I know how the Spirit works. But if the Spirit of God don't dwell in you, then there is, there's nothing there. <laughs> Only self. This book effectually works in those that believe. And on the flip side of that, it won't do squat to the ones that don't. It went, and that's just... As I as my old six saying always is, I'm what I'm always saying, that's just the way it is. It's that cut and dried. There's no what abouts and what ifs and maybe that's and maybe this that that's just the way it is. If he, if if you have the Spirit of God in you, if you have been regenerated, the Spirit of God will work in you. He will convict you. He will point out the things in your life that you're not doing. He will say amen to the things in your life that need worked on and fixed. And then the choice is yours. And his voice will be loud to start with. Sometimes to bring people to tears. And then the choice is made to obey or not to obey. If the choice is made not to obey, the next time the voice talks to you, it will be 
not quite as loud. Disobey again. The next time it's pointed out, the voice will get lower and lower. As long as when disobedience continues to come on, the voice will get lower and lower, and it'll start whispering then. And finally, that spirit will be whispering so low, you won't even know that it's talking to you. Your conscience, as Paul says, will be seared with a hot iron. There's joy in obedience, folks. There's joy. There's something clean about obedience to the book. That 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 there's no feeling in the world like it. There's a cleanness and purity to it. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight, Lord, for opening your word and and uh, speaking to our hearts, Father. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that convicts us of our sin in our lives and shows us the areas of the perfecting that we should we're we're supposed to be on a perfecting process and shows us those things in our life that we're supposed to obey that we're supposed to do when we don't do them he lets us know I thank you that you keep giving us opportunity I, I thank you so much for that mercy that extends out to us father as your kids as your children I thank you that we have the opportunity to serve our Holy Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I thank that. What a privilege. What a privilege. And to be able to spend eternity with you later on. What a day that'll be. Father, I pray that you would take everything that's been said tonight, work in the hearts, of the listeners, I pray that the downloaders receive the same spirit, the same words, Lord, work in their lives. And Father, the ones you have special callings on out there, and you do have callings on certain ones out there in the chat room probably, and also some of the downloaders. I pray that that calling in their life would be expounded, that you would help them to make decisions how to apply the gifts that they have in their life to serve the brethren and to be of service for you. Meet back with us tomorrow night, Lord, as we continue the timeline of deception and go with each and every one, give them a good night's rest tonight, the ones that's got to work tomorrow, Father, give them a fresh day tomorrow at work, a pleasant day, give them all, bless them all, Father, in some way. Be real to them. Let them know you're real. Let them know you're there. Let them know you're speaking to them, Father. And we'll give you all the honor and glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake alone. Amen and amen. Don Spears Ministries, 3155 Louisville Street, D1, Clio, Alabama, 36017. Telephone 334 
397-2333. Email joydon1953 at yahoo.com. Thank you, brother. Good job tonight, brother Jason. Appreciate it very much. Thank you, brother. All the glory to the Father. See you guys tomorrow night, Lord willing. God bless you all. Good night. Good, good job, Brother Kevin. worked hard for what you have your money your assets your 401k and home isn't it all worth protecting nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft lifelock ultimate plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement 
LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. 